0: your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. You'll also find that on page 1,253 of your pew Bibles. We're reading the first four verses of Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Father, we come to you this morning, and we ask that you would enable us, through the preaching of your word, to set our minds on things above. Work in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen what is your life about? What is your life fill in the blank? How would you answer that? Well, for Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was all about creating insanely great products. That, that, was, his, that was his goal in life. In a 1995 interview, uh, he said this was well before he And Apple created the iMac that saved the company, and uh, a decade before the iPhone, he said, of all the inventions of humans, the computer will rank near the top. And so he was thankful that he was uh, here at that time and place where he was able to create uh, this insanely great product, the computer. That was his obsession. That's what drove him. In the movie City Slickers, Slickers, Billy Crystal's character, Mitch uh, is alone with Curly, the crusty cowboy, who gives him some life advice. And he says, your life is about just one thing. Uh, Curly says, if you stick to that, the rest don't mean a thing. A little, uh, little editing there on my part. But in any case, he said, uh, that's, what is that one thing, said Mitch. And Curly said, well, that's what you have to find out. So what is that one thing? Could it be anything? Well, I'm here to tell you today that the Bible in our passage says what that one thing is. That if you set your minds on that, that it will transform you in a way that nothing else will and nothing else can. It will give you the truly good life. So I ask, what is it that is pinned to the Pinterest of your mind? You know, Pinterest social networking uh, site. Um, If you go back a few years, the number one pin was a recipe. The Hasselback garlic cheesy bread recipe was the number one that thing that was pinned on Pinterest that year. And it's similar this year, 2018 so far. We find on Pinterest you have an emphasis on food and recipes and fashion and wellness and travel. So, what is it that you think about? What is it that dominates your thoughts? What do you return to time and time again in your mind? Well, if you set your mind on this one thing, this one thing that we see in our text today, it will revolutionize your life. Now, by way of introduction, I need to, to state where we are at this point in the book of Colossians. We have visitors here and probably for a number of you a a little review would be helpful and it's necessary because we read in chapter 3 verse 1 the apostle paul starts out if then so everything that's sort of led up to this point is why he's going forward with these four verses he's saying if you woke up to the realization that your life was a mess that you were a mess that there is a god in heaven that you've not been good and that by rights you've earned God's punishment in hell for disobedience. That you realize that you are not living the good life now. And that you'd have to live the bad life for all eternity if something didn't change. But what to do? Do you join a gym? Do you meditate? Do you memorize the whole of the Old Testament? No. You realize that you are helpless to save yourselves. Because the wages of sin is death. And you are hopeless unless somebody saves you from your predicament. But could somebody do such a thing? God is a holy and a perfect God, and he can't just overlook your sin. And so what we find is the amazing news here that Jesus came to die on the cross, to take care of your debt, the debt before God caused by your record. that he came in the form of a man, truly God, truly man, to live the good life that you could not live and did not live and endure the bad life through punishment on the cross so that you would not have to go through it for all eternity. And so when you hold on to Jesus by faith and you place your hope in him and what he's done in his life and in his death then the Bible says that you're united to Jesus Christ that you are united to him in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And what we're going to find out today, not only that, but you're united with him in his ascension into heaven and even united to him in his return that will come in the future. And so when Christ died, you died. When Christ was raised, you were raised. When Christ ascended to heaven, you did too. And when Christ returns again, you will be there with him. Last week we talked about the fact that false teachers... Uh, were saying to the Colossians that they should set their minds on food, not that different really than Pinterest. And they were saying that you should set your mind on food in order to really develop this hyper-spirituality through um, austerity, through uh, denying yourself certain things, through eating certain things and not eating certain things, that you would achieve a higher level of spirituality. And the Apostle Paul Talked about that in verse 21 of chapter 2. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they're used according to human precepts and teachings. He was saying, Why would you put your heart and your mind and your energy into things that are going to pass away with use? They're temporal. Instead of fixing your mind, fixing your heart, putting your faith in, being united to the one who is eternal. Jesus Christ who's resurrected from the dead and always lives. Now, I talked about that last week and it was very heady in a number of ways Jesus Christ was our head. We learned uh he is he is the source of our life, he's the source of our growth. And the apostle Paul said you need to hold on to him by faith because if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you're severed from the head, from the one that will cause your growth and the one that will cause your life and so I went home of course I've been meditating on this all week as a preacher that's one of the benefits uh, occupational benefits of my job I get to think through these things and I got home and we had lunch and uh, after lunch I began to look for my laptop computer and I couldn't find it Uh, not unusual at our house and so uh, Susan I can't find the laptop okay Ron and I just keep looking for it and I can't find it in all the logical areas and I mean I was looking and looking so Susan helped me and she looked you know where did you last leave it this I don't know I don't know I can't find it two hours later I still can't find it I guess I need to go back to church maybe I left it at church I don't think I left it at church I went back to church and I looked and it wasn't there and I'm beginning to panic a little bit because I'm thinking if I lose my laptop I mean I've got 50 years of sermons on that thing I've got my uh, software that helps me study uh, the Greek and the Hebrew and. And I've got all these pictures on there, and I I began to panic a little bit. And at the same time, the whole time I was thinking, Ron, don't lose your head. It's just aluminum and silicone and a few rare earth minerals. You know, that's really what it is. It's going to fade away just as you've been, but it was tough to hold that perspective. So I came home and we looked again, and I said, I don't know where it is. Later in the afternoon, Susan said, it's in the pantry. Don't know what I was doing in the pantry. Don't know how it got in the pantry. Now, I threatened losing my head, right? My perspective that Jesus, my union with Jesus Christ, I just preached on, the creator and sustainer of the universe, that I could have union, mystical union, real union with Christ in spirit. And that is what my life is about. That's how I grow. You know, we have... A lot of temptations to think that life is about something else, something physical, something that will pass away. And some of you have lost things that are a lot more significant than that. If you lost something, if you lost anything, and you would say that my life would not be li- worth living, what would that be? Maybe your finances. Maybe a job, maybe your reputation, maybe a person, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a thing. Well, what is your life? We read in the text, chapter 3, verse 4, Christ is your life. Your identity is wrapped up with the person of Jesus Christ. You might have your identity in in lots of things. It might be good things at a lesser level. You might say, "I'm I'm a parent, or I'm a successful business person, or I'm a nice person, or maybe my gender identification. Lots of things that you can wrap your identity in. But your identity is primarily in the person of Jesus Christ. So much so that you can say, Though you see me here on earth now, I'm really in heaven. I set my mind on heavenly things because that is where I am. I'm somewhere else. Why? Because Jesus Christ is there and Jesus Christ is my life. And so if you go to chapter 3, verse 3, we read that we have died and our life is hidden with Christ. Your old life is gone when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you have a new identity in verse 1. If you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So fixate on where you are because that is who you are and who you are is somewhere else. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. So, what does it mean to set your mind on things that are above in heaven? Does that mean that that we're supposed to think about the images of heaven that we have? Uh, Susan and I last night saw the movie Coco, and at the end of the movie, she said, Man, if kids watch this movie, they're going to get some pretty funky views of what heaven is like. Um, What is heaven like? And so we have some images in Scripture. You know, we have archangels and angels, and we have in the book of Revelation, the throne with the emerald rainbow and the glassy sea in front of it. Is, is that what's going on there? Is that what we're supposed to think of those things? No, we're supposed to set our mind on our Savior, Jesus Christ, to look at him, to think of him, to think of what he has done for us. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Again, is that given to us by the Apostle Paul and by extension by God so that we might think of a physical seat where Christ is seated? The term seated at the right hand of God is about preeminence and priority and power and authority. Jesus Christ is ascended to heaven and seated in the place of highest honor and preeminence and authority. And he is, he is king of all. He is in authority of all. And we have already learned this in Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. So we're to think about the fact that there's nothing in this world, visible or invisible, that is outside the control of Jesus Christ. And we suffer difficulty and challenge physically and spiritually, but you're safe, and your identity is in Jesus Christ, and he is king, and he is Lord, and so you're safe because you're united with him. Set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. That word hidden with Christ and God, when it's hidden and God together, it has to do with protection. So we see in Psalm seventeen eight, Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me, Psalm thirty-two, seven: you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Christ is your hiding place. He is above all rule and all authority. And so the image is sort of like this. You're a sixth grader, imagine that. And some of you can imagine that because you are. And you're in the playground and their playground bully is there and keeps pushing you over. But you have a brother and your brother is the biggest player on the football team in high school. And so he comes up to your bully and he says, what? He says, if you mess with my brother, you mess with me. You are in Christ, united with the one who is authority and in power over all. So no matter what happens to you in this life, and we can go through difficulties, we know that Christ has you and is protecting you He'll never let you go. There's nothing that will permanently harm you. In eternity, you're safe with Jesus. So think about the fact that Jesus is in heaven. That's where you are. That's where your life is wrapped up. It's wrapped up in Jesus. He is your life, Colossians 3, 4. Now, as I was thinking of the concept that Jesus is our life, I began to think about uh, the concept of horcruxes some of you are harry potter fans you know horcruxes and actually i'm pretty sure that Rowling got this this concept of horcruxes from a much more ancient concept that occurs in other cultures and other literature called the life token here's what the encyclopedia of religion and ethics says about a life token there is a relationship between the object and the person with whose life it is bound up. Whatever affects the one affects the other also. The object thus connected by a mystic bond with a human life is sometimes has been called the external soul. It is perfectly true that in the stories, the life of an ogre or hero is frequently said to depend on an object, hidden safely away as the owner's soul. More commonly, it is simply referred to as his life. F.F. Bruce in his commentary on the book of Colossians says of the life token concept, this object taken actually, sometimes actually referred to as the person's life, is safely hidden away in the belief that so long as it is preserved intact, no harm can befall that person. There is no such idea in Paul's mind here, yet the belief could serve as a parable of the truth that it expresses. He's saying this is a good illustration of the reality that we have in Jesus Christ who is our life. So for those of you who are not Harry Potter fans, we had uh, the arch-villain Voldemort. His life was preserved because he not only had one life token, one Horcrux, but eight of them. And so he put that in Tom Riddle's diary and in a ring and a locket and Helga Hufflepuff's cup and a diadem and a snake. And in case any of you haven't seen it, I'm not going to tell you what the last one was because he keeps going and they keep going to destroy uh, the horcruxes because the life, the life of Voldemort is tied up in that. And so this is an image and an illustration uh, for us that Christ is the source of our life. And the difference between Christ and these other physical objects is that Christ has raised from the dead, he's defeated death, and he will never die again. And there is nothing that will ever defeat him again. And so you are safe and you are secure and you have life because Christ is alive. So you're hidden with Christ in that sense. But you're also hidden in a couple other ways. For Since you're in heaven with him, your identity is with him. When Christ is revealed, when Christ returns, you will return with him. So you'll get to see you because you'll get to see Jesus, right? But there's another sense in which you're hidden, and that is when Jesus Christ returns, you will be changed. You will be transformed to be like Jesus Christ. There's a sense in which you can say about yourself, you ain't seen nothing yet, because who I am is in heaven, and I will be made like Jesus Christ when he returns. And so we read the Apostle John in john chapter 3 verse 2 beloved we are god's children now that's something we possess now and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is when jesus christ returns we shall see jesus and we shall be transformed and one of the ways that we'll be transformed is that this This heart of ours, the soul of ours, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, something radical has happened. You have a new heart that now beats for God, that longs to serve God, and yet the remnants of that old nature of rebellion are still there, and so we can tilt towards sin. We can fall into sin through temptation, but one day when Jesus returns, we look forward to having our soul and our heart transformed so that we no longer fall into sin. And secondly, Jesus Christ, truly man, has a body that is glorified. We theologians call this process glorification. And your soul and your body will be glorified so that your body will be transformed like Jesus' resurrected body, incorruptible, no longer subject to death, no longer subject to injury, and it'll be absolutely radiant and glorious. So we read in 1 Corinthians 15 what the Apostle Paul has to say about that process. He says in verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures. So why is that of first importance? He goes on to say, for if the dead were not, are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man in heaven. And so the heavenly man, Jesus Christ, is going to come. And when we see him, we will be transformed in soul and in body to be like Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis has said in his book, The Weight of Glory of Believers in Christ at the Return of Jesus Christ, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. So set your minds on Christ as your life, and it will profoundly impact your life. It won't cause you to retreat from the world. You know, there are people that have passions, and they engage in the world in one way or another. Steve Jobs is creating an iPhone, and it's a wonderful device. I have one, but one day it'll be in the trash heap. One day, it'll go away, because it's simply something that's physical. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, set your minds on Christ, where He is now, who He is now, because that is who you are, and that is who you will be. What is your life? What do you fixate on? We have a little ritual in our house at dinner time. As dinner's kind of wrapping up, Susan and I are eating dinner. We have two dogs. And our two dogs get antsy. Um, And and sometimes we have to say, it's not time yet. Uh, Because they know after dinner they will receive uh, the most wonderful thing in their lives. It is their dingo dentatrice chew. I don't know what they put in those things. I'm not sure I want to know. But they love those things like nothing else. And they know. They are fixating their little doggy minds on the dingo denta treats well before it is time for them to receive them. And so we give them to them after dinner, and I say, sit. They sit. I mean, I think I could ask them to recite the alphabet, and they would do it. I mean, they want that thing. Um, what is it that you fixate your minds on? What is it that you set your minds on? What is it that you return to time and time Again, set your mind on Christ because your life is wrapped up with His. And His life is a wonderfully good life. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because He earned it. He earned it in His perfect life and His death on the cross. And so He was resurrected and He was exalted above the name that is above every other name because He was faithful how do you receive it you don't receive it because you earned it you receive what you receive because you're united with jesus christ through faith in him it's a gift i grew up in south florida fort lauderdale and it is uh further south of the mason dixon line than panama city but i can assure you it is might as well be in new york uh in terms of northern culture and then In seminary, I moved uh, to the deep south, to Jackson, Mississippi, which is more southern than here. And one day I went and preached uh, in the Mississippi Delta. And uh, after that, I was at the house of a farmer, a cotton farmer. So it doesn't get any more southern than that. And at the house, uh, the the lady of the house said, uh, would you like something to drink? Would you like tea? Would you like a Coca-Cola? I said, I'd love a Coca-Cola. Now, in South Florida... What hap- What happened next is there's a fridge, help yourself. Northern culture is a help yourself culture. She exited the room, she came back, she had a silver platter, she had a, a glass with ice, an open bottle of Coke, and a linen napkin, and she presented it to me. I thought it was the twilight zone. You know, This is not anything I'd ever experienced before. Because in Southern culture, you serve southern culture is gracious and so when we come into this world naturally i hate to tell you this we're all northerners we are wired to be help yourself to think that somehow i can help myself the reality is is that you have to see that you can't help yourself that only christ is able and that he comes and he serves all of these good things to you And what he serves to you is himself. And your identity is wrapped up, your reality is wrapped up in him as you have faith in him. So, receive Christ by faith. Trust in him as your substitute. Set your minds on Jesus Christ in heaven and on returning once more. That is that one thing that if you set your mind on, it will give you the truly good life now and for all eternity. Think about these things. Let's pray. Father, we thank.